Welcome to the Woke Blokes Podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Woke Blokes Podcast. Ryan Hassan here, joined as always by the ethereal Nick, the Sultan of Still Sutherland, who's just had to move places because he was sitting in the Agnes Sun and he was radiating so much. I could feel his energy all the way down here in Melbourne. Angels were starting to sing. And I'm like, that's not going to work. For- and cry. And cry. And into their, and, wank, into their wank vat. And doves were crying. Prince was there. <laughs> there was a wanking vat. So far too much distraction for the podcast. So Nick's now moved into a bit of a less aluminous spot. Nick, how are you? Mm. Mm. Um, I feel, uh, yeah, it was wonderful there. And I really like the vibe over there. But uh, the sun's going to shift over the next hour. It's going to be all up in the grill. It's going to get much hotter there. So I'll thought, need to wear you know, sunnies just, by the end of the podcast if you stay there. Th- th- this is correct. It will burn your cones. Your oh, cones God. will melt. Oh, no. What about my retinas and my irises? Yeah, they'll be the first to go. Right. Well, I don't need them because I've been, uh, I've had blocked ears. I've only got one blocked now, but I've had them pretty much all week. And that's been a weird experience. I've been like, there was about three days there where I was kind of like a deaf person. And it was a really weird experience, you know? Having, did, you, did you learn, did you learn Auslan? I was, uh, no. <laughs> I wonder what the, if that means anything. The, the, I think the, every one of my signs ends with something like that. Like I'm tying a bow or something. The listeners are not watching on YouTube. Ryan and I are trying to sign language each other. And when I was in... We're probably, um, we're probably swearing or something. I think in, in Vietnam. Was Vietnam or Thailand? It might be both in oh, cultures. Back in, when you were back in there. Back in Nam, in my, oh, my flashbacks, hang on. Um, and, you know, I always... Because there's a language barrier and you're trying to understand. And then I'll do the okay, you know, with my... You know, like, yes, the all, how's the food? Oh, yeah, perfect. And so you have the, you know, the okay sign with your hand, but apparently that's a very sexual That uh, has a sign. different meaning now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, 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 that's evolved. <laughs> it's like that, LOL, you know, um, laugh out loud. I think. But everyone thought it was LOL, lots of love. I think we spoke about that in the last podcast. But yeah, the misinterpretation. Yeah. Um, Communication. Nice little segue into today's episode there. Oh, we have a theme today. We have a theme. Well, we said it. We teed it up last podcast. We did. We did. So tune in. We've got uh, relationship experts, Ryan and Nick here. We're (laughs) we're going to sort you out. Call in live to the show and we'll solve your relationship problems. Mm. I love that show, Fraser. Did you ever watch... Fraser? Uh, not really. I know of it. Before your of... time? Before your time. No, not yeah, probably a little bit. But yeah, I remember I maybe yeah. watched an episode here and there. I kind of got there was him and his brother and some lady no, and the dad crying. and there was a dog going on. and Daphne. Daphne was. A lot of, was it like a bit like highbrow? <laughs> highbrow kind of humour or not? <laughs> <laughs> I remember being no. a very little kid and everyone in the show is wearing suits and stuff. And I'm like, oh. oh Go this for me. Above, Put Transformers back on. Your, probably above your pay grade back then. So. What about now? Do you reckon I'd get into it now? I reckon you'd like it now. All right. Pull up a few old dusty episodes. What does that come uh, up? Fraser. Because uh, I know this, I've got a flashback of him. Yeah, call into, the, call into the show and he used to have people call into his radio show. Got it, got it, got it. Um, 
So yeah, relationships we're going to talk about today. We've touched on relationships in so many of the of the podcasts here and there. And I reckon it wasn't just last episode. There's been many times where we've like, oh, we should do a full episode. Skirted around it a bit. We, we? we have. We've we've beaten around the bush uh, a little mm. bit. Um, but but we're here for it. And Nick's got notes. You know, um, yeah. we we actually had a chat the other night because I've been uh, I was single dating it this week with Melissa away with some girlfriends up in Byron Bay, and um. Nick messaged me and he's like, oh, did you notice this question? You notice any of your behaviours changed whilst whilst uh, she was gone? Like, baby, you know, you just a bottle of red or, you know, walking around your jocks or that no, kind of thing. No, pan- no pants for the whole week. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I was doing those things, but it wasn't <laughs> to the exclusion of Melissa being here because that's what I do when she's <laughs> around here as well. I had to think about it though because it's like, I had this weird, I remember when you asked the question, I'm like, I remember maybe many, many years ago, that feeling of like, uh, I'm off the leash, you know, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, it's, it's, and, and yeah. it's a weird thing uh, to ponder this, like, I'm excited to be off the leash yet. You know why am I on the leash in the first place? What is the leash? Who, yeah, who, yeah. who, put, who put the leash on you? Is it a metaphorical imaginary leash or an energetic leash? Yeah, and I um, you know, I, I go out to some some social things here and there, and you can tell the guys who have that little metaphorical leash going on because they start getting pa- they, 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 they get they get so strange, and they get they, they get angry at other people who aren't like cutting loose as much. <laughs> but are you guys, are you guys going to fire up soon? It's like oh, I'm just talking and having a beer. D- damn you for being in a healthy relationship and not getting off the off the it's leash. Like, it's like there's a countdown clock like happening in the background till the leash goes back on, and they're trying to just cause as much chaos until as, that happens. As soon as they put on that Lynx deodorant, oh, oh, off they go to the races. You and I, you and I play golf. You and I go on some golf trips, and it's very evident on those golf trips who's off the leash and. Um, and who who's not on the leash? So, yeah, it's interesting. And I, I'd start, I think I ask that question because you know when Melissa goes away for a week or Em goes away for a week, the dynamic does shift. The, the the dynamic of the relationship does change just by the the absence of one of the entities. Um, so yeah, it's just a, just curious, but you know, <laughs> you do you and continue to do you. No matter who's around, which is awesome, and, and that's yeah, that's and that's one of the things I guess. And I only I only do that now from a place of not doing it for very much the majority of my life, and being that guy who was like, you know, whether it was off the leash in a relationship or off the chain from work for a few days, and it's like I'm trying to just get as much yeah excitement and chaos and everything into a couple of days before normal life returns, and it's like responsibilities. You know, yeah, I think it's it's a term that gets banged around a lot, but it's like, what if you had a life? What if you had a relationship that you didn't need to escape from, mm. or modify yourself to exist in? Yeah, and that's that's what we're doing is we're yeah. You know, there's this authentic version of you. It's probably a little bit unhealed and unhinged, and wants to get you know have its quirks and traits and whatever, and and then you know it starts coexisting cohabiting with another person and then it starts modifying which i think we need to do this to some degree you can't take the model that you're using when you're single and run that model when you're in a relationship so there is some modifications necessary but you don't need to throw the baby out with the bathwater you still need to to do your things 
Yeah, look, one thing that I've seen, you know, we was discussing this and seeing it in clients over many, many years is some the best, some of the best and most healthy relationships. We're going to talk about a number of different points which create a healthy relationship. But like we talk about, I guess, the nexus or starting point of a relationship, some of the most healthy ones are the ones that happen very much organically. You know, I'm not out there desperately trying to seek a partner because what happens, and you spoke about the modification, when I'm out there desperately trying to seek a partner, when I'm sitting down with someone who I think, hey, this might be a, a go here, this might be someone that I, that I want to be with, I will then modify my behavior to try and be the person that they would want to be with. Yeah, and so mm. we go through all of these contortions and and changes to our uh, the way we show up, and so then we do get in a relationship, and it's like I kind of have to keep up those contortions, otherwise I'm going to be a very very different human I'm, being I, than this I, person. I, I, I made a, I made an effort for the first, second, third, fourth dates for six months. You keep making an effort, you oh, putting in all the work, and then and then you land them, and then they're like, all right, I'm with you. And then it's just this relaxing, and it's just uh, uh, the gut falls out, the buttons pop open, and it's just this, <laughs> oh, finally I can just relax. And, and the other person turned, oh, I didn't sign up for this. This isn't what I've yeah. been accustomed False to. False advertising. <laughs> yeah. It's like pulling off the, the, the push-up bra, you know, and it's just, yeah. it's just like, oh, hey, okay, Ooh, that's, that's, that's different. That's new. Yeah, one of my uh, favorite quotes on relationships by Michael Singer, and and he says, if you got into a relationship to try and solve an internal problem of your own, to try and fill something up, then all you're doing is including another person in your problem. And then the relationship, the relationship invariably has problems, and you're like, why? Well, it's like it was founded on the basis of a problem. (laughs) Of course, it's going to have problems. So I think one of the the notes you have there, Nick, is around, you know, we have to be in a very good relationship with ourselves and, and a good place before we allow the process of of getting into an intimate relationship with another human being to happen. Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, I'm, I'm not a relationship expert by any means. Today we are. Both, we both are today. Today, excellent, awesome. Um, it just makes sense that, you know, the, the healthier you are, the more integrated you are, the more grounded within yourself you are, that's what you're going to bring or offer to a relationship. So, you know, a lot of clients ring or, or message us at MindFit and say, hey, do you couples cancel? And we say, no, we, we work with the two individuals separately because the health of a relationship is determined by the health of the two individuals co-creating that relationship. So I don't want to sit there and try and get them to figure out he said, she said, and who's right and who's wrong and mess around and all that drama. I want to get over here and right. How are you operating within yourself? Where are you at um, on your journey? And what are you, what are you bringing to the table? If you, the type of person that just has high expectations of everyone, then your partner's going to be failing most of the time and you'll start looking at them through through these distorted lenses and, you know, uh, that's that's not going to feel very wonderful for them. So, yeah, and a lot of that is like uh, kind of goes against the societal way relationships are viewed, right? So ideally from what I've learned, it's like, okay, let's two kind of, individuals who are grounded within themselves 
you know, they know who they are. They know, you know, to a degree um, and, and they're mm. very you know, happy with who they are and enjoy life. And then we meet another human being and go, hey, you're cool to enjoy life with. You know, maybe we should enjoy life together. And then we come together and then we'll speak about obviously relationships being, you know, work and having an intention. But then these two people come together and they start to experience life together. Whereas society tells us, you know, part of us is missing and it can be filled by another person. Think of all the love songs, you know, you complete me, I'm lost mm. without you, I'm nothing without you. You filled That's- a hole in my heart. Yeah, which is which is literally, you know, listeners, you might have heard the term codependency. That's exactly what we're talking about. If I feel like I'm half of a person and this other person completes me to some degree, then I'm going to become completely dependent upon them and upon a relationship in general because I won't feel whole as a human being. And once again, that quote before, it's like I'm I'm founding a relationship upon a problem that I have internally. What can also happen though is you may feel integrated and and whole and everything, and then you bump into this other energy source, and it's always revealing when two different energies come together. It will reveal stuff, and and you can. I've had it before in relationships. I've been cruising along, thinking I'm all good, and then I'm with this, and I start doing the most crazy erratic shit, and I'm just like, what am I doing? What where's this coming from? And this is, you know. Don't know where it's coming from, but it's something's something shifting. Something's being triggered just by the presence of this person. So that's a lot. Of, in the past, I used to try and change them, and you know, it would be more convenient for me if they were different. So I didn't have to do any work. But you know, that doesn't sort of last very long. So finally, you start learning that when you get triggered, which everyone will to some degree, that's where you go internally and work on yourself and. You know, relationships are super stimulating environments. They're just, it's, there's this constant, and then you add children into the equation, you add mortgages, you add blah, blah, blah. And if you aren't equipped to manage yourself, the first two parts of EQ, self-awareness and self-management, if you don't have those two locked down, you're in no position to have that social awareness and then relationship management. You can't help others or be there for others if you're not, if you're not standing on your own two feet. So it's a. Yeah. And it's so, and yeah, it's so interesting you say that because, yeah, as soon as the stresses build up, then then things become adversarial. We had, uh, um, yeah, so many clients come in and they'll speak about their, you know, husband or wife or partner who we haven't met. And based on their subjective interpretation of life, it's like, my God, they're this angel sent from heaven and their partner's some sort mm. of devil who's constantly trying to hurt them. And we would do these family support sessions where we would get the partner in, just sort of help give a session to them, explain, not with them there, this is individually, and say, hey, this is what your partner's going through. This is what we're trying to help with. How can we help you? And then you'd hear their subjective experience, and they're the angel sent from heaven and the other one. And you're like, man, what's what's the truth here? And what you spoke about is so important. It's like both of them, are all they're doing is trying to change the other. And they're stuck in that. And so both of them are building up resentment and anger towards each other because the other one won't change, but neither of them are willing to own, you know, their part of it and get on the same page. Which uh, leads to a quote I love and I use a lot with clients from Thomas Merton. The beginning of love is to let those we love be perfectly themselves and not to twist them to fit our own image. Otherwise, we love only the reflection of ourselves that we find in them. It's the ego. The ego doesn't like difference. The ego is constantly searching for itself in in other people and everything. So um, 
there's another one here. This was worth flipping some quotes out. Um, a great relationship is about two things. First, appreciating the similarities. And then secondly, respecting the differences. And that's that's a hard thing to do. If, you, if you're attached to uh, so many... <laughs> So many people go into a relationship in a state of insecurity. They're, they're, they're in this heightened state of anxiety. Oh, I'm not enough. I don't have enough. I'm not, you know, there's all this pressure from you know, the family. When are you getting married? You're, you're 36. When are you going to settle down? When are you this? When are you that? So there's all this external pressure and they're in this heightened state. And then all of a sudden, you know, come into contact with this other energy source. There's a bit of chemistry that flares up. And, oh, oh I, found, I found you. You're the one. Yeah, they, they answered all my problems. Now mum's going to be off my back and I'm going to be able to have the white picket <laughs> fence and the, uh, all this stuff. And it, it's just, it just doesn't work that way. We, you know, I wrote in the notes um, a, a question. What's the aim or the goal or the point of a relationship? Um why do, why do two people come together and you know, spend X amount of years coexisting? Well, it's uh, on a very primal level, it's our basic evolution is to get together and procreate to create more of us. So there's that drive. But and we, know, we can just go to the pub and have a one night stand and just you know, have lots of single mums running around. What am I doing in this relationship then? I know, man. Questioning my whole life. I'm off to the pub uh, <laughs> at nine o'clock in the morning. Do you reckon I'm going to find at nine o'clock in the morning at the local pub? Quality, quality, <laughs> quality. That's what you're going to find. Um, uh, and so I answered that question. So support each other on a journey and not face adversity alone. You know, so it's a, we're on a journey, and you're we're all on these individual ships. Uh, I'm on a pirate ship. Um, and you know we're sailing the high seas and whatever and it gets a bit boring gets a bit lonely out there so someone you know you see another ship and hey we get along we have things in common that's great why don't we sail together cool and then so it starts off lovely like let's sail together no let's uh, the seas are lovely today and it's calm and perfect wind and let's have a cocktail and or some rum because we're on a pirate ship and then and then the storm rolls in, and that's revealing. That's where you know it's going to start bringing stuff to the surface, and you're going to find stuff out about yourself and about the other person. And if you have these desires for them to be a certain way, and they act outside of those parameters, then you're going to want to throw them overboard. And yes. and walk the planks. You know, yeah, <laughs> and that's um. I don't know how that works. Like, well, you, you spoke know, about before. Love. You spoke about you know the you see someone, then the chemistry like flares up, and it's like you know it's worth pointing out. Like when we do, uh, it's it's a state of infatuation when we come across this other human being, and we see all this potential, and we're you know we're physically, mentally, emotionally attracted to this person. Then we're flooded with you know we're on drugs essentially. We're flooded with oxytocin, mm. with serotonin, with dopamine. So we're high, you know, and you. You, you know, uh, Bruce Lipton calls it the honeymoon effect. You know, when you just it's it's all new and there's these new possibilities and this loves in the air and even you you'll hate your job one week and then all of a sudden you're whistling on the way to work talking to people on the way because you've got all these you know new chemicals going on and then after somewhere between I guess two to three months, you know that 
that wears off and you come back down to baseline. And so all of a sudden you then have to look at your partner and they look at you and it's like, oh, do I want to do I want to do especially, this? Especially if they've been making the effort, you know, putting on the makeup and, you know, going to the gym and working out. And if they've been really making an effort to, which if you look at the animal kingdom, uh, there is, you know, a lot of, a lot of, um, what do you call them? The, you know, the the peacocks dancing. There's a lot of um, I've got to show off to get this mate. I've got to I've got to be the one that they choose. It's a you know. So I think humans do that as well because we're not too absolutely. Far we're not too far removed from the animal kingdom. We we must remind ourselves we're not that far off throwing shit at each other. <laughs> and and so we we get into these. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do whatever it takes to attract this this mate and and then we do that and then it's like yeah got him and then we stop we stop we stop the dancing we stop ruffling the feathers out you know all of that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff um it's so funny sorry just made me remember like a david attenborough documentary and um they were doing the different yeah mating of, of animals and there was a sloth and um it's interesting because most species, it is the male, like the male peacocks, the one with the bright feathers. They do all this dancing and noises. Uh, the sloth, this the female, she went out into an opening and she makes a call, which means, "Hey, I'm, I want a mate." And so she makes this, go. you know, sloth growl, and then I follow this sloth who might be like only fifty meters away, but that's a fucking long way for a sloth because it's so slow. <laughs> and, it, and it follows this journey, and this sloth it has like the music and the great cameras, and it's it's trying its hardest to get there. But it's so bloody slow, and then it finally gets to where she is, and she just took off with another sloth, and it just oh. shows him like looking around. <laughs> it was so funny, <laughs> poor bastard. Um, My heart breaks, man. And so we get to this stage, and there's why so many relationships, you know, end after like three to six months because you know those the chemistry returns to baseline mm. and then all of a sudden we start to take on responsibilities together like you said we might start to move in together see more of each other joint bank accounts you know all of that kind of stuff um and then every time a stress hits us so you, the, the ship analogy is great every time the storm or the waves come i've seen it time and time again in myself and other people it's like we both look at the storm and go ah adversity coming and as soon as the adversity feels like it's getting too much, we turn away from the storm and look at our partner and start to blame them. <laughs> and so they, they they become well, our adversity. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do to fix this? What are you gonna do to make this better? We shove all the responsibility onto the other person. Yeah, and that's why you like intentions just so important. Like, you know, Melissa and I just have an intention that, you know, we love each other, we're in this for the long haul. Um, you know, we don't need each other, although we want to be together and stay together. We don't need. And we're in this for uh, growth. You know, we want to grow in the relationship and be better people. And we know that we're going to have disagreements. We're going to have arguments. But if the underlying intention is this one of love and respect and growth, then we can come back to that no matter what storms arise. And we still, I lose myself all the time in little surface level shit. And I get, you know, I have a little tantrums and all that kind of thing. You wouldn't believe it from me, Nick, would you? It's unbelievable. I I thought thought, thought you were just shocked to the system, but no. Um, Joseph Joubert, the aim of argument or of discussion should not be victory, but progress. Oh, I haven't heard that one. That is absolutely fantastic. That's amazing. And it's so simple. But, you know, go back to the mind fit pathways, the constructive and destructive. 
the destructive one loops back on itself. And that's, that's what the problem's not the problem. The problem is the people try and win or, or be right or um, get focused on what the problem is instead of what the solution is. So they get stuck in this destructive loop. And they just go around in circles and then the relationship starts to stagnate. The communication stagnates. It just deteriorates. The fabric of the relationship starts to deteriorate. All the while, they've got these completely hilarious and unrealistic expectations that the relationship should just be fine. I don't know. There was chemistry there. We, we, it should just magically somehow work and run smoothly. And- oh, it's like, it's like this. It's like when they're in the relationship and it's kind of serious, it's like, oh, that's done. So relationship, yeah, that's just done. That I've ticked that box. Let me focus on other things. But we've spoken about it, we speak about it all the time with mental health. It's like you've got to tend to the garden. Otherwise, the garden will get overgrown with weeds. Physical health. You don't go to the gym, get in shape, then never go to the gym the rest of your life and eat shit, or you'll get out of shape again. It's the same with relationships. You get out what you put in. So if you've got an expectation, an unrealistic expectation that it should just magically somehow work without you turning up, then you're fucked pretty much. And my partner should make me happy all the time. That's horrendous. Um, I like this one. Uh, Tony Robbins, not a massive fan of a lot of his stuff, but this one's a good one. I love Big Tone. Some of the biggest – I haven't – I was turned off him by the the whole – Cheesy grin, big jaw. And I think he's the, he's oh, yeah. that, that that that's an easy yeah. That's where a lot of people get turned off. But if you kind of uh, there's, there's, dive there's, a little I bit made, deeper, if, if if I made an effort, there'd be lots of yeah. And, and yeah. this is this is this is this is one of them. Okay. Some of the biggest challenges in relationships come from the fact that most people enter a relationship in order to get something. They're trying to find someone who's going to make them feel good. In reality, the only way a relationship will last is if you see your relationship as a place that you go to give and not a place that you go to take. So it's being selfless instead of selfish. But this is this is an issue. If two people bump into into each other and meet and they're not they haven't learned or they're not trained in the art of meeting their own basic needs if they're not emotionally self-sufficient as soon as they come in contact with someone else they're going to fall immediately into a codependent relationship and they're going to become needy and oh my god what, like what can i get what can i get relationship it can be something to do with so career or work. can be a friendship so it's i know i've i've noticed this in myself in the past so i'm hyper aware of it and um it is. It's just this underlying drive is like, hey, what what can I get? And you can you can lie to yourself on the surface and say that's not what's going on, but I've seen it in most human behavior that's happening, you know, all the time. And relationships are a big one. Yeah. Um, so there's a few staples I think that are really important to uh, a relationship is constantly ebbing and flowing because the two humans co-creating it exist within or under the law of nature that everything is impermanent. So everything is in this constant state of flux. It's, you know, every morning when you wake up, you turn over, you're meeting that person for the same time, basically. It's not the same person that existed yesterday. So it's really important to learn how to sit in observation. You know, the um, that documentary, My Octopus Teacher, and the bloke, you know, there's a, a whole many oceans in the world and he went to the one same spot every day for a year and just sat and learned and 
instead of it being a rock and a fish and a shark and a seaweed and an octopus, he suddenly saw how it was all uh, interdependent and how it all, the, the dance of it all. And that only came about by him sitting and just watching. And the, the, the quote I love the most, I think, about relationships is, well, not even relationships. Well, it is. It's relationship with the self and then others. Is that understanding is the cornerstone to love. Understanding. You don't have to understand how they think or why they think that or anything. Just uh, just sit and observe your partner's nature and and just understand that they're different to you. Understand that those differences are going to strengthen the relationship if if you don't attack them. Um, they're un- understanding that. Some days you're going to feel close and one and your heart is beating the same and then two weeks later you can feel like you're married to Hitler. It's it's just going to be that much of a contrast. (laughs) What's Hitler like a washing up? Is he any good or not? Is he washing? I don't know. I think he has people do that for him. Very angry um, sex, I reckon, with Hitler. Shout, shout, shout. So it's it's understanding the nature, understanding the nature of yourself, understanding your own nature first and foremost. What are your tendencies? What are your traits? Where do you sort of fall down? What traps do you fall into? Understanding the nature of the other person and allowing them to exist as they are. Understanding the nature of the relationships and how it just all moves around. Because if you go into it with the blindfold on, you know, shit metaphor, if, if, if you can't see what's coming or where you're sailing or who you're sailing with, um, you're going to run into rocks a lot more than is necessary. Yeah, yeah, and you spoke about that, you know, sitting in observation and and change and, you know, relationships will change, individuals will change and it's their right to change. You know, we're so resistant to it that, you know, we'll and this will tie into a topic about, you know, when I guess one person in a relationship wants to do a lot of deep work on themselves and the other one doesn't and that can cause problems. Um, which is a juicy one. Um, but, you know, we sit in this place and we might wake up and, you know, our partner will like, oh, this isn't the same person they were five years ago. And it's like, yeah, that's fine. Like they're allowed to change. <laughs> so are you. I, so hope the relationship. I hope they're not the same person they were five years yeah, ago. Yeah, that's right. I mean, what a waste of five years, <laughs> you know. And so I literally had a client just this week. So I've been with my partner 19 years and, and – and I, she's going through a lot of stuff that's that's not of her choosing um, and has been through a lot of stuff that's not of her choosing, which is obviously coming out and having a ripple effect. But he's just looking for the person that he knows. You know, I, 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 wanna, I want my friend from, from 19 years ago to be here. I'm like, mm. Therein lies your problem. You're searching for something that doesn't exist, and you, when when you see this version of her, <laughs> you've got this aversion to it because it's it's not preferable for you. It's it's not it's not what you're seeking or searching or craving or desiring. So um, you're not going to be present and able to attend to her as the relationship requires you to be. 
you're making you know you instead of her you talk about unnecessary suffering i mean for god's sake but i want something that was around 20 years ago but now doesn't exist in reality and i want that and if i don't have it i'm going to be in suffering suffering occurs when we try and make permanent that which is not permanent so everything everything Oh, why, why, uh, why am I hitting the ball sideways? Why aren't I playing? I flushed it last week. Why aren't I hitting it well this week? It's not you. You didn't exist a week ago. You weren't swinging the golf club a week ago. It was a different version of you. Can you say that, that quote again? I'm doing a class tomorrow on suffering, and I, I would like to bring that one up. Why, why aren't I a guest speaker? Sorry. Might need your honor for this. Because you don't it suffer changed. enough. <laughs> I'm going to suffering. Yeah. I have an attachment to being a guest speaker. Suffering um, occurs. Su- suffering occurs when we try and make permanent that which is not permanent. Thank you. And the, the law of nature, obviously, is that everything is impermanent. So, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, humans are hilarious. We're the funniest creatures because we walk around thinking oh we live outside of these universal laws and you know i'm not going to age or you're not allowed to change or i'm it's just we are the most irrational creatures on this planet i think yeah anxious monkeys very anxious monkeys and i like it so yeah it's the arctic monkeys or no different very different okay oh no they're they're a band so they are anxious monkeys too i don't want to speak on their behalf but you know we all are um and so you know when so we were resistant to change and then Mm -hmm. you know seen this a lot over the years i'd love to get your take on it is when you know one person in a relationship you know is fine like enough's enough whether it's in the relationship or their own personal experience of life and being human i want to start to do some work on myself i want to understand a little bit more about this existence and how i can have a better experience of being a human being and so they start to do a lot of deep work. They start to think differently, feel differently. They process things from the past. And then naturally that will change the relationship dynamic, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's also cause... going to trigger it's also going to trigger the other partner though. Yeah. So it's bo- I've seen both sides. It's like so the other partner is triggered and goes, Oh, you're doing this work and I guess I'm a piece of shit or blah, 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 or you know, that kind of thing. Or the person doing the work starts to they gain all this new awareness and start to go, Oh, now I'm just noticing how my partner is doing A, B, and C and it's because of their childhood and they get a bit holier than thou. And then sometimes both of those things, you know, will happen simultaneously, which really causes a lot of disruption in a relationship dynamic. Yeah, we see it a lot. Obviously, um, someone comes in a lot. <laughs> I love the the uh, theory that a lot of people are in therapy to deal with people who won't go to therapy. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm being deeply affected by this unhealed person. How do how do I how do I survive this? Um, but a, a lot of people come into the into into MindFit, and yeah, because they're, either they've they've had they've been deeply affected by things and don't feel uh, their authentic self and align and their best self or they're just really keen to to uh, evolve and they know that there's a lot more we can do and be um so they come in sort of more proactively either way they start doing work and and you're right they start they can start looking at their partner and seeing all the deficiencies in their partner you know three three months of 
bit of self-inquiry and a bit of uh, work and they're like, oh, well, look at you still laying in bed at seven o'clock and on your phone in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> look at him. Mm. That's not healthy. That's not. And for those clients, we smack them over the knuckles and tell them they're doing it wrong. You can't use this to, 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 <laughs> to hurt other people. Um, and we notice when one grows, when one starts evolving, it will trigger the other person. Sometimes it will trigger it in a destructive way and they'll go, oh, um, now you're better than me or, or you, why are you changing? There's nothing wrong with us. You should, you should just still be stagnant with me. Um, or, you know, sometimes it might take a year or two, but the other person will eventually go, I see why you're doing it now. And I, I get that and that's attractive. Now I want to do my work. So sometimes they'll inspire their partners or sometimes it'll actually create a, a, a larger rift. And it all depends, I think, on yeah, the amount of love, unconditional sort of love that's, that's and, and respect. There. It comes back to that intention. It's like if I'm okay for my partner to change. <laughs> and I'm okay for them to have a different experience as a human being, then, you know, we can maybe have disagreements and that kind of thing, but it's not the catastrophe that it is in most occasions because most relationships, we spoke about codependency. So a relationship comes together. It's like a lock and a key, right? It's like both individuals imprints come together and it feels like, you know, love, but it's actually just two imprints that kind of match each other, a lock and key scenario that come together. So, you know, that might be someone who um, is likes to control people and situations. And then they come together with someone who has an imprint where they, you know, were controlled and they feel safe being controlled. You know, there's a victim perpetrator dynamic that goes on, the good guy, the bad guy, all this kind of thing. And so they come together and a dynamic forms and a relationship happens and there's chaos and all that kind of thing, but it feels kind of safe and familiar. Normally familiar is the one. We'll, we'll attract in a relationship what was familiar from a lot of our early relationship and childhood imprints. And so what happens then, one person goes and starts to do all this work on themselves and now they're, you know, they're undoing a lot of programming. So they're, let, let's say mm. if they're the, the, the key lock, then that starts to change and all of a sudden things don't, come together, you know, as they Not did the same before. Combination. Not the same combination. So, you know, they, when the controller goes to control and then normally they would just submit and, and fawn to that response. Now, all of a sudden they're standing up and assertive. Then all of a sudden there's a massive shake up in that dynamic. And so a lot of relationships and, you know, I, I've seen many that, that survive and, and they can thrive when both people get on the same page, but a lot of relationships just won't survive that. And that's just the harsh reality mm. of it. Mm. Yep. Uh, uh, I was just thinking back to Ram Das talking. About, I don't know if you've heard of him. He's he's got some curious thinking no. around this. No, sort you'll of have stuff. to fill me in uh, on your mm, Ram Das. Uh, pun intended. Does um, <laughs> <laughs> Melissa love being with a thirteen-year-old? Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> And, and not so much. Um, I, I go from a 13 year old to an 83 year old real Yeah, quick. I do. I fluctuate depending on whatever's presented. <laughs> uh, it was really interesting. It really stood out. Randos was saying a lot of people say, I, I love you, but they're using love as a verb. And inst instead of, I am in a state, and that state is love. 
and um, there's, there's no terms and conditions on that. It's just it's it's not about I love you because of X, Y, and Z. It's just uh, you know, and I think you know, lead with wonder, not with intellect. A lot of people are in their heads and in uh, having a very intellectual relationship um, in which the ego is predominantly present. And when someone starts doing the work and starts getting a healthier ego and a healthier relationship with their ego and 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 in their heart space more often without so many attachments and desires, that combination can really struggle because one person's just, you know, love, I'm just loving you as you are. And the other one's like, oh, well, but I want you to be how you work because that was more convenient for me. And, and it creates a lot more work. So I think, yeah, sort of one in all in tends to be um, better. It's, it's, if one person starts going on a journey, uh, it, uh, it really just helps in the sister relationship. If the other person joins them on that journey of evolution, because all of a sudden you see these two people in the heart spaces more often, there's not as much, there's nowhere near as much conflict. There's nowhere near as much drama. There's no, you don't have to work on the relationship so much and put out fires because you're not starting so many fires. Mm. Uh Dr. John Martini, he defines love as the the synthesis and the complete acceptance of complementary opposites that are happening in every moment. Right. Ahead. <laughs> let me let me break that down. So it's like <laughs> in every moment, boy. In every moment, <laughs> break it down. In every moment, there's a perfect balance of what you want to call it, positive and negative. It's like a magnet. A magnet's got a positive and a negative like pole. Like us, yin and yang today. Yin and yang. Yeah. We're in perfect balance. Yeah. We're in perfect balance. And so every moment's like that, but we create imbalanced perceptions by looking at something and neglecting the bad and only focusing on the good or neglecting the good and only focusing on the bad. You know, so like a bill comes and I get all distorted, an unexpected bill, and I just go into that's a negative experience only because I can't see the positive experience that is associated with that exact same event. We call it disqualifying the positives. Yeah. And so whether it's a situation that's happening in a relationship or your partner in general, when you can look at them and see an absolute perfect balance of what you might call positive and negative of all the different traits and everything and go, you know, that's perfect and that's beautiful, then that's a state of love. Because when we when we look at a situation like that, then I no longer now have expectations that it should be a different way. And I also see the underlying perfection that's in that moment, that it couldn't be any other way. So now I'm really in reality as opposed to wrestling reality like we spoke about earlier. The, the list of cognitive distortions, um, jumping to conclusions. Um, if, the, if, if someone, if you wake up and your partner goes to work early or something and there's dishes left there, Oh, I knew they were going to leave the dishes. You know, it's just, it's, you can hear the neurosis. Um, worst case scenario, oh, I did this and they're going to think this of me. Black and white, they're good or bad, right or wrong, positive or negative. Um, uh, I, I cracked an iceberg one day with the, the quote that being right isn't more important than how people feel. As a 63-year-old mm. bloke who'd gone through life, as an engineer and he was i am factually correct i am this is this is correct but he was dismissing his wife um so much and yeah so it was just he was he was was very black and white there was no there's no gray or color um 
comparing what they're doing to what we'd prefer them to do. Should is a distortion. You said it. Um, labeling them. How many people label their partners? Um, blame. We start blaming them for what's the, the state of the relationship instead of taking a sense of ownership. Disqualifying the positives, um, or looking at things through. I've been guilty of this one. Looking through rose-colored glasses, and I, I was in. Uh, the the potential reality instead of, of of what it could be like. So, if you look at it like as, as you said, the reality of what is in in the reality is person has not done dishes. There's no meaning. There's no issue there. It's just what's required to do some dishes. Uh, is that going to kill you? No, it's it's no problem. But if you're carrying in these attachments and biases and preferences and you're looking at the world and your environment and the people in it through these distorted lenses, you're going to spend the majority of your time, 90% of your time, in the reality of what would, could, or should be happening instead of the reality of what is. And when when I offer the reality of what is to people, it it, it is mind-blowing. It's one of my favourite things to do. Reality is, you know, this, this client the other day was all up in her head about what her ex did and everything. And having in deep amount of suffering because of that, and I said the reality is, woman is sitting in a chair, hmm. and her mind was so conditioned to creating drama and neurosis and these fantastical illusions and these movies that would play constantly in her head, that when I offered it to her that all that's happening is that in the here and now she's sitting in a chair. He doesn't exist. In, in her current area, she, uh, she really, really struggled to, to grasp the simplicity of it because she was so used to convolution and complexity. Oh, yeah. When you're stuck watching the movie for, you know, weeks, months and years on end, it's very hard. It's like we're glued to it. And it's like, what if we just stepped away and just unglued for a minute and see what it's like not to have that running? But we kind of, humans get addicted to that. It runs us, you know, whatever we... <laughs> Whatever we, you know, resent or infatuate with just plays on loop in the mind and just runs our existence. And we miss it. resist persists. Oh, okay. Well, that's a new quote. It's a Nick Sutherland one. Never heard that before. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I've stolen it from the Centre for Healing. Um, no, we stole it you're, the only per- you're the only person that's ever said that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I used to, when I first started out, I'd come with these great ideas and then, you know, I obviously hadn't come across as much information as I have now and then I'd come across something and I'd learn someone else had, had written it. I'm like, fuck, really? And yeah. my, my ego, my ego was like just deflated. <laughs> it's like I thought I'd just found this universal truth that no one else had found. And then you know, like five other books of people like a thousand years ago who worked it out. <laughs> I started listening to Ramdas and I was just like, oh my God, that's what, oh my God, that's what, other people are doing this? How, how wonderful. We we started Um, the center and we were doing, you know, our method, which is now like root cause therapy and everything. And we're like, fucking this and that and groundbreaking. And then we got some book on like, the ancient, ancient uh, <laughs> Aboriginal healing, you know, from thousands of years ago. I read the book. I'm like, that's pretty much what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> that's so awesome. Um, so real, real life context with this. Um, you know, M and I moved to Queensland. We moved out of our comfort zone and 
four bedroom suburbia with conveniences at our fingertips and luxuries like hot water or running water or flushing toilets um, or a couch. Um, and we moved into a caravan for nine months. The, and, and then there was a lot of you know running two businesses and trying to renovate and develop a property and blah, blah, blah. And there was a lot of pressures that we weren't conditioned to. So have a think about it, two foundations, um, two concrete blocks. If that concrete isn't formed and set properly, when you start putting a lot of pressure on it, it's going to start the weak spots the, uh, are going to start to be revealed. It's going to start to crack and crumble and, and disintegrate. So pressure, as we've spoken about, is really healthy. It's really necessary and important. So I'm boring you. Um, <laughs> Ryan just yawned. Uh, and, and it's really important. A healthy amount of pressure is very important for our growth and development. Uh, but too much pressure at once is is going to be catastrophic. So we thankfully uh, had enough self-awareness, you know, and relationship awareness to sit down and go, all right, this isn't sustainable. This isn't healthy. This, this is too much. We need to rest. We need to recover. We need to spend time hanging out together. We're at opposite ends of the spectrum. She's in town all the time and all she wants to do is be at home and I'm at home all the time and all I want to do is go into town and socialise. We're, we're living very, very different lifestyles at the moment. Um, and if you don't have the communication skills and if you don't have the if you don't make the efforts to come together and sit down without resentment or without blaming or labeling or judging or criticizing or condemning, if you can't sit down and say, Hey, this is our current reality and it doesn't seem to be working for us. What changes can we make? If, if you can't be adaptable and solution oriented, then you're just going to go round and round in those circles and, and end up coming apart. At the seams. Yeah, yeah. We've finally got to the point. Surprise only yawned once. Uh, <laughs> um <laughs> no, it's a good point, good point. Um yeah, look one one of the thank, things thank you, me. Good point, good point. Own own it, buddy. Own it. No, it was. My yawn was nothing to do yeah, with your story. It was just I know, a, I know. I um so yeah, like uh, start to maybe come together with your partner and just say, hey, what's the intention of this relationship? Where are we at right now? Where are we going? Melissa and I early on, we had this weekly, we've had put it in the calendar. We're pretty regimented. We had it in the bloody Google calendar that we'd sit down, go through this sheet on our relationship and talk about our relationship and how we're going individually and in the relationship and work out how we can. And, and that became about- a bit of a, that became a habit for us. So we don't have to do that and schedule it now, but it's very so natural. Good. To, to just so communicate. And so when, you know, we have this intention right now, we're raising our son, we're, you know, building a business, we're also trying to have fun, but we sit down and we talk about it. When one of us is getting in a bit of a funk, the other one knows immediately and just says, what do you need? Melissa will say it to me all the time, what do you need? Pretty much golf nine times out of 10. But, you know, <laughs> and for her, it'll be something different. Um, but that communication is just, it's so, so incredibly important. And maybe you sit down and, you know, laughing is one of our, our big ones. And we'll notice if there's not as much laughter in the house. It doesn't happen very often. but And so maybe in your relationship, the laughter's gone. So sit down and talk about it. How can we incorporate more laughter back into this relationship? Because we've got to be having fun along the way. 
Well, that's one of our basic human needs, and everybody comes back to self-sufficiency. Empower, belonging, freedom, fun, survival. If you're not meeting your own basic needs and, and lights within yourself, if you're carrying a heaviness and a, uh, around you, that's what you're going to put into your relationship. So the relationship's not going to be fun and light. Um, oh, I had some thinking before. Um, em and I had to go back to that lead with wonder, not with intellect. Em and I had to really figure out that we operate within ourselves differently. I'm a painter and I'm an external processor and she's a pointer uh, and she's an internal processor. That was huge for us. That was really, really important because if she's in a relationship with an internal processing pointer, you know, just get to the point and then all right, and go away and think about it by myself and then come back later. Yep, then move on. Cool, no worries. Where I'm like, all right, well, let's have a chat about this. Let's get it open. Let's figure it out, blah, blah, blah. And and I need to I need to do this externally. Um, if she was with a, a pointer and an internal processor, that'd be that'd that'd be so easy that because they'd both just be, yep, this is what we do and this is what the relationship needs and, and move on. But because we have a difference there. If you don't identify that difference and respect that difference exists and not see it as um, uh, a negative or not not go oh not apply meaning to it and go oh that means we have to work really hard or anything. If you just accept that it's a difference and leave it there, and then within that go okay so. It's not about how I process, and it's not about how you. It's about what does the relationship? How's the relationship going to process? So it means I have to be less of a painter at times, and and get to the point, and then needs to be more of a painter at times, and not just get to the point. No, just hurry up. Just what is it? What is it? What is it? You know, she needs to give me some space and room, but I need to stop doing what I'm doing, and and vocabulary lies a lot. We're, it's a nice word. Um, I like it. We, we assume, yeah, we assume, don't we, that other people uh, process things and receive things and give things in the same way that we do. And it's not until we communicate and understand that that we can um, improve a relationship. You know, it's like the love languages. You know, it's like, you know, I, you know, Melissa likes words of affirmation. I like acts of service. So it's like uh, I'll assume that acts of service are great, so I'll keep doing things for her. And she'll keep telling me, you know, how good I am and all that kind of stuff. But we're just giving love, giving love the way that we like to receive it. So it's like, well, you know, Melissa knows now that, you know, it's still good to tell me I'm going right. But, you know, if she starts to do stuff for me that's unexpected, I'm like, you know, I'm like, oh, my God, I feel it just deeply. So, you know, I remember, I remember saying to M, I remember saying to M, let me love you in a way that I love. Mm. And And she couldn't get her head around that for a while and i had to i had to not be so rigid with that as well and i had to modify and oh okay i need to love you in a way that you receive love but also in a way that i give love and so it was, it was that figuring out what that looks like that that needs to be a new model yeah it, uh, it makes me think of like a dynamic as well this is more like the classic ones kind of like father daughter kind of thing and the you know the uh you know, class a man of, of yesteryear and generations gone by and, you know, not showing their emotions and they grow up and just work, work, work. And they don't really know how to express love like verbally, 
that they barely mm. know how to explain their own emotions. So like buy their daughter or their son shit. And like, that's the only way they know is all well, if I go buy them stuff and all that, then that's, that's how I love. And then, but then the, the, the daughter or the, the son is like, I wish they just like hang out with me or just tell me that they love me or whatever it is. And they, they just, there's a complete misstep there. And it's only until they, you know, get much older and become adults themselves and go into therapy and like, Oh my God, my father was incapable of expressing love in any other way. Um, which once again is just this breakdown of understanding and communication. He, he, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't do this to me. I wasn't traumatized by. Uh, you know, he spent some time in dad shoes, and that was his capacity. That was. He did his best. Yeah. Um, but interesting because kids spell love T I M E. Mm. That's how love is a four-letter word, but they spell it T I M E, and it's 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 about just being there with them and connecting and associating with them, and you know the fact that you turn up to their play or their sports game or whatever that is gonna give them a, a really wonderful imprint and core memory instead of um, the latest Barbie doll or whatever. So true. Turn up. You just got to turn up for yourself, turn up for your relationships, turn up for your people. Turn, just keep fucking turning up. Don't be lazy. Turn up. That's that's the overarching message. Don't be lazy. Turn Don't up. Don't be lazy. You get out what you put in. You can't realistically think that your relationship's going to flourish and, and be wonderful and a safe space for you to coexist with someone if you don't do the fucking work. Do it. Do it, you bastards. All right, that's relationships. I reckon we've saved probably 13 marriages today. I was going 16. So. 16. All right. How many in Finland? 12. They'd have good marriage. Everything goes well over there, don't they? Their school system, they got sorted out. You know, I reckon they yeah. got healthcare and yeah. all that kind of stuff. They got their shit sorted. Big, big vat. Oh, you know who's Finnish? Sammy Valamaki, the big Finn, our oh, golfer. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, maybe we'll he, to, maybe he took. Maybe he might he be one of our three cut. listeners in Finland. What's their population? Maybe. Seven. Yeah, we're very big over there. <laughs> big deal. Uh, shout out to the golfing community in Finland. Maybe we'll get a billboard up in Helsinki or something. <laughs> one of their main Helsinki highways or something. Yeah. Uh, we should go on tour over there. Okay. It'd yeah. Be cold. Play some golf. Place in golf or in winter, probably. Okay. So golfing slash podcast tour. Yeah. All right. The tax right off. Done. Let's go. Right. Right now. Pack. Peace out. See you, everyone. Thank you for tuning into the Woke Blokes podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Also, leave us a five-star rating. We thank you so much, and we'll see you all next time.